Welcome to Canadian Soccer News on the Sports Podcasting Network. Today we have the raw audio of the MLS Cup Conference Finals teleconference that happened today with Jesse Marge, Caleb Porter, Liam Redwell, and a plethora of actors in the games that are going to happen the first legs this Sunday, November 22nd. So without further ado, here's the raw audio of today's teleconference. Dallas, DC United, and certainly now the Red Bulls. Just your, your thoughts heading into this uh, into this series, and clearly you have a lot of playoff experience also. So you, you've been around. I'm still a young guy, though. Give us your thoughts, Max. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for still making me feel young. Um, yeah, like like Jesse said, um, very excited and uh, and ready to get the series underway. The mood in training uh, for the past 10 days has been vibrant. It's been really, really good. Uh, some very good days of training, very intense days of training, um, trying to prepare us for a very good Columbus team. As Jesse said, uh, we have a ton of respect for them. Uh, the way that they play and the way that they're coached, I think everyone can admit that uh, it's great for our league, and it's certainly something that I've been impressed with throughout their two years. Uh, the way that they play is, um, I, I think, with the ball is, is something that every team strives to be like. So, very impressive team. Um, they're very dangerous in a lot of different ways. Uh, with that being said, uh, we feel very well prepared um, tactically. You know, we've gone over a lot of different ways in which we can be successful against them. Um, but like I said, they're, they're a very good team that we're ready to, ready to prepare and, and face. Excellent. Thank you, Dax. So once again, to our journalists, if you'd like to ask questions for Jesse Marsh and Dax McCarty, please hit star one and you'll be put into the queue. Uh, we do have a handful of journalists already in the queue, so make sure you go ahead and do that. We'll get it kicked off with Ron Blum with the Associated Press here in New York. If we could open Mr. Blum's phone line, fire away, Ron. How are you? Good. Uh, question would be, as you've looked at Matt Miazga during the year, what did you first start to notice early in the season that made you think he was ready for it, and how has he progressed throughout the season? And this is for for me, Jesse, right? Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, you know, I said when I first got the job that one of my goals for the year was to help Matt Miazga establish himself. Um, you know, he actually was thrust into a situation uh, that maybe we didn't uh, weren't ready to put him in and maybe we didn't think he was ready for, but in many ways it was a, a, a good situation and, and it wound up being a, a benefit for him and for our team. After at the end of the first game against Kansas City in Sporting KC, uh, our starting center back Ronald Zubar picked up a long-term injury, which meant that we had to put Matt in at the end of that game, and then meant that we started in the next game at home against DC United. And I think that you know we we worked a lot in preseason uh, and at the beginning of that season to try and get Matt up to speed and get him ready to start to perform uh, from the start with the first group. And, you know, it wasn't that it was a finished product at the start, and it's still not a finished product, but, you know, he showed that he was brave and, and fearless and ready for the moment. And, you know, we've seen him grow so much through this season. And 
you know, there's a lot of people that deserve credit for that. I think that Matt certainly has been up for the challenge, but that as a club, as a as an organization, as a coaching staff, we've committed ourselves to trying to help him grow up uh, both on and off the field. And then I think a lot of the veteran players really took it as their mission to help him uh, understand how to be better. And, and certainly, you know, Dax is here. He deserves a lot of credit. I think Damian Paranel, guys like Luis Robles, Sasha Kleschen, all tr- all knew it was important for Matt to establish himself in a big way, and I think everybody's helped him grow. So, in terms of when we thought we, you know, that it that it was starting to come together, you know, I, I feel like when he came back from the U20s, he took some of his experiences of being here and, and applied them to that that stage. And when he he realized that he could hold up in that environment and and in those games and actually do quite well. I think he came back here with a, uh, a, a vigorated, a revigorated sense of confidence and belief in himself, and and I think at that point it was clear that he had established himself as as a guy who deserved to be on the field from the start uh, at all moments. So uh, it's been a good year for Matt. We're, we're all very excited for him. He knows he has a long way to go, and and we do as well. And we're all committed to helping him get there. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Ron. We're going to go to our, our next question, which will be Leander Sharlockens with Yahoo Sports. Fire away, Leander. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, my my question is, all four of the managers that are in the conference final are, are homegrown uh, in, in one way or another, sort of within American soccer, especially as managers. What do you think that says about Major League Soccer and uh, and I think the national soccer scene as well? Well, I, I I agree with that, and I think that there are four good managers that are managing these teams, and they take uh, you know slightly different paths, but the fact that uh, we're all sort of from the same generation I think speaks volumes for how far this country's come. And, you know, you, I think uh, all of us would be quick to credit some of the mentors that we had, and whether it's guys like Bruce Arena or Bob Bradley that have had Im, uh, impacts on, it, you know, various different of us uh, uh, coaches here. Um, you know, there there's a new generation of coaches that I think have learned a lot from being players, from being access to the, to the sport and to this league. And now we've all kind of grown up and, and developed our own identity and tried to apply it to the teams that we coach now. So... I think all four have done a great job this year, and I think all, all you know, I, I certainly respect the other three, and I think they have great futures. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Uh, just a reminder to our journalists, you can hit star one to be put in the queue for questions for Jesse Marsh and Dax McCarty. Our next question will go to Ridge Mahoney with Soccer America. Ridge. Thanks, Dan. Hey, Dax. You know, it's only been uh, five years since you played in the final um, a difficult defeat uh, for your Dallas team against Colorado. Could you kind of tell us just how different the league is now that you're back in the final plane for a New York team that's finally, you know, kind of realized those expectations of that fan base and in an expanded league with a lot more new teams and stadiums coming in? Yeah. Um, obviously, like you said, that was five years ago now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, probably one of the most painful feelings I've ever had as a as a player and as a pro. Um, you know, because as you said, I mean, you know, finals don't come around too often. Um, I've only been there once in my career and, and unfortunately it was a loss. Um, but you learn from those experiences. And I think, uh, five years ago, you know, the league was a a much different animal than it is now. Obviously MLS cope, MLS cup was determined at a, a neutral site. 
unfortunately for us, it was in Toronto and it was about 25 degrees and windy and rainy outside. So it made for a pretty tough game. But uh, I, I think since then, the league has done a great job of, of investing more resources into the players, uh, investing more resources into stadiums, and investing more resources into to marketing our league and, and trying to, to build our league into something that we all want it to be. So you see the great players coming into the league now. Um, you know, MLS. Lottie, Dottie, we like to party. Crew SC group outings are perfect for company events, hey. team outings, or birthday parties. Hey, Who's Sylvie, if we could ask you to put our good friends of the Columbus crew on mute uh, right now so Dax can finish asking the I think they're still trying to sell tickets for the final. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Little levity there. Dax, why don't you continue with your insight? Yeah. I was just saying that, you know, I think the league has done a great job in, in trying to help uh, all the teams establish themselves and, and certainly investing a lot of money in new players and bringing in um, some world-class talent. So I think this year has been a great year to prove that you can be successful in this league in a lot of different ways. You can invest in your homegrown players. You can invest in your academy. Um, and you can also go out and buy and use your money to spend it on difference makers and players that are going to be difference makers in this league. So for for the owners out there and the coaches out there, there's no one specific right way to build a winner. Um, and I think this year has been a, a great uh, showcase for that type of mentality. So I think all four teams in, in this year's last four are all more than capable of winning MLS Cup, and I think it's an exciting prospect for every team moving forward. Nice job All right. writing that in the Wilson Dax. Well done. No worries. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Ridge. Uh, we're going to wrap it up with one final question for our uh, our folks from the Red Bulls. And apologies uh, if I don't get this name correct. It's from Soccer Long Island, uh, and it's Michael somebody. I don't believe it's Michael Lewis, but uh, if we could go ahead and, and open the phone lines for our next question, Sylvie, that would be fabulous. And, sir, if I could ask you to – uh, provide your name and affiliation before you ask your question. That would be fantastic. Thank you. No, that'd be great. I'm sorry. It's uh, Michael Andrew from Soccer Long Island Magazine. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. So I, I appreciate the time you guys are spending on the uh, on the conference call today. You know, it's the same question, but I'll ask it to both of you. Uh, you know, Dax, you've had a little bit more experience as a player than um, being with Red Bull than Jesse has had as a coach. So how does that affect the uh, the relationship being in the playoffs? Because you've had, you know, you Red Bulls have been there almost as a perennial playoff team. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it affects anything, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I think the good thing about a whole new staff coming in is that they don't, you know, they don't have that uh, that burden of, of, of history that, that I've had in the, in the past here. I mean, Jesse's come in and done a great job in making sure that this team, this Red Bull team, establishes its own identity. And that identity is is that of a family and a team that's all together in as one because in the past the identity of this team has always been about individual players it's been about you know controversy and it's been about you know failures and i think the identity that we've established with this team is that uh, while we recognize the past and we recognize the failures that this club has gone through as an organization we want to build our own identity and and we w we don't want to be cast in that same light as those organizations from the past so it's obviously a, a great challenge for us because we realize that maybe history is not on our side 
Um, but I think the good thing about our team is that we're a little bit young and a little bit naive. And I think that all we care about right now is just the next game. And all we care about is winning. So that's a great a testament to the coaching staff for what they've done, the mentality that they've been able to establish within our team, the confidence that they've been able to give us as young younger players and as a younger team. Um, the balance between having veteran presence on the team and, and making sure that we're still young and fresh and have a lot of new faces, uh, it's been a great balance. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we've been so successful. Yeah, Dax says it well. I, I'll just add that, you know, I don't think there's been any negativity all year about anything from the past. And it's only been about how we can build something for the future that's sustainable, that's that's about every person and then about something that we can be proud of. And, you know, the, the mantra has often been one game at a time, one training at session at a time, one moment at a time. Um, and it's helped us get to where we are now, and we're not changing that uh, for anything or anyone or any situation. We're about each other, and every day we come in and we prove that a day uh, – game in game out day in day out so right now you know we're really excited about the opportunity uh ahead of us on sunday and and we're going to go and go full throttle and give everything we have i appreciate it thank you guys so much all right with that we'll wrap up the red bulls uh portion of today's media teleconference call i'd like to thank jesse marsh and dax mccarty for joining us today gentlemen best of luck this weekend in columbus thanks dan thanks guys all right, moving forward, uh, joining us on the next portion of the call, we will have our gentleman from Columbus Crew SC. We will have the sporting director and head coach, Greg Burhalter, somebody who's certainly familiar with the Audi MLS Cup playoffs, having won MLS Cup 2011 with the LA Galaxy, his final season as a player. And then we also will have defender and captain, Michael Parkhurst, Gentlemen, certainly we know him well with Columbus Crew SC, but uh, at the start of his career, he participated in three MLS Cups with the New England Revolution, 2005 to 2007. Gentlemen, uh, Greg and uh, Michael, are you on the call with us? Hey, guys. Yes, I'm here. All right, good to have you guys on the call. We're going to get it kicked off. Um, just as a reminder to our journalists, you can hit star one to be put into the queue to ask questions for the Columbus Crew's Greg Berhalter and Michael Parkhurst, and gentlemen, we'll actually just kick it off with with your opening thoughts. Uh, we'll go to we'll go to the coach, Greg. If you could just give us your thoughts heading into this weekend, hosting uh, the Red Bulls. I, I I just read earlier today that they're bringing in extra bleachers and seating at the uh, at the stadium, so that's great to hear. Greg, just your thoughts heading into this weekend. Well, I think it's been um, you know remarkable how the city's been rallying around us, and you see the, um, the you know the attention the game's getting and the demand for for spectators. It's been it's been great, and um, it's a good feeling. I think um, you know we're a club that wants to represent our community, and we're we're happy to have the um, the fans behind us in this game on Sunday. Excellent, and we'll throw it to uh, Mr. Parkers. Michael, your thoughts. Uh, you've certainly played in the, in, the, in the playoffs many, many times throughout the years. Uh, how has it changed? Uh, and, and just your overall thoughts going up against the Red Bulls this weekend. I think the team's really looking forward to the opportunity. Um, you know, we've got a lot of guys never played this far into a season, never played in a conference final. And um, Everyone's just relishing the opportunity to continue the season, to keep training on a daily basis, uh, to have this opportunity to play a home game 
in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, I think that uh, we're, we're really looking forward to it. We know that we're going to have the crowd behind us. Um, it's going to be a chilly night, um, and that's what you want in the playoffs. That's what you expect, a cold night with a full crowd and uh, a big stage. So uh, we'll all be ready and uh, looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, Michael. We're going to kick it off with our Q&A session with our journalists. Uh, the first one will go to Michael Lewis with Big Apple Soccer, followed by Franco Panizo with uh, S- uh, Soccer by Ivis, and then we'll go back to Ron Blum with the Associated Press, and we'll continue. So we'll go to Michael Lewis with Big Apple Soccer. Michael. Great. Hey, thank you. Uh, question for both gentlemen. Uh, Red Bulls midfield has been uh, obviously a key component of the club this year. How would you rate them? How does it stack up against other midfields this year? And let's say through the years in, uh, in MLS, since you guys have been around the block and then some in the league? Well, I, I would start by saying, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for their midfield. I would say it's, you know, one of the best in the league, and, and they've done a great job. Um, you know, you have a work rate combined with a high level of skill, and it makes it um, certainly a formidable midfield. In terms of comparing it to other midfields in, in the history of MLS, you know, I, I'm not qualified to do that. I think, uh, you know, I know it's good, and, um, you know, it's going to be challenging for our guys to play against. Michael, how about your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Greg. Um, You know, they're a very, very good midfield tandem, uh, all three of them. Um, Dax is obviously one of the best holding midfielders in the league, um, gets forward well. Um, A lot of respect for him and his career, and... uh, you know, Sasha's a, a guy that whose movement as a number 10 is fantastic. Uh, he, he finds those holes in between lines very well. Um, he links up with uh, with Bradley up top very well. Um, and Felipe is uh, an engine in there and works very hard, um, disrupting things and, and keeping everything together. So um, no doubt it's um, a strength. It's uh, a strong point of theirs. But, uh, you know, we feel very confident in our midfield and, and the way things that we can match up and, um, and hopefully take advantage of some things as well. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Michael Lewis. We'll move along in our in our queue here. Our next question will go to Franco, Franco with uh, Soccer by Ivis. Go ahead, Franco. Thanks, Dan. Uh, guys, just kind of going off of that, a lot has been said about the Red Bulls high press system this year and how effective they've been in it. Uh, it's been obviously a big part of their success all year, but uh, they did have a tough time with D.C. United in this last series. Uh, did that series kind of give a, a blueprint? Did it lay out a blueprint for how to slow them down? Uh, and if not, how do you, as a team, beat that high press? You want me to take this in, Greg? Um, uh, you can start. Well, sure. I think that uh, I think that um, definitely when you think of the Red Bulls, you think of high press, and uh, especially when we play against them, you know the way that we like to play out of the back. Um, you know, their high press isn't as effective against DC because DC doesn't try and play out of the back. They they play more direct. Um, you know, Red Bulls are able to generate a lot of offense when they have turnovers in the attacking third and get straight to goal. Obviously, that's how we gave up a couple goals in, in their stadium a few months or a few weeks ago. Um, so it, it's a very difficult press, but, um, you know, it's one that we're up for the challenge for. I think that, um, you know, just because uh, D.C. was, you know, made it difficult for them, you know, playing direct, it doesn't mean that um, 
we think that's the only way for success. Um, you know, we still feel confident of the, the things that we do best, and um, you know, that's building out of the back, and uh, of course mixing, mixing in and taking advantage of Kai up top. You know, I would just add that, you know, Red Bull has, has certainly done a great job of, um, you know, having a style of play and sticking to their style of play and, and the style of play being successful. You know, I've have, I have a lot of admiration for, for what they've done this year. When you see, um, you know, opponents passing percentage in their own half, it's extremely low. And, um, you know, that shows that they're executing their game plan. You know, as far as, you know, DC having the blueprint in that series, you know, they still, they still um, lost both games. You know, so uh, you know, I'm not sure um, that's much of a blueprint if you're not successful. Um, you know, Red Bull is, is a good team. They've done a great job all season, and um, it's going to be a tough matchup for us. Just, just a quick follow-up for you, Greg. Uh, both of their center backs are on yellows. Is that something to play for you guys, given that if they get another in the first leg, they miss the second leg, or, or is that something you guys don't don't take into account? Well, I would say by and large, um, you know, if, if you're familiar with our style of play, we want to attack and we want to be aggressive and we want to score goals. So by nature, that's going to put their defense under a bit of pressure. And um, we're certainly going to be look, looking to do that on Sunday. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Franco. Our next question is going to go to Ron Blum with the Associated Press. Following that, we'll go to Ben Curry uh, in Columbus with your weekly Columbus. So we'll turn it over to Ron Blum with the AP. Ron? Michael, uh with U.S. soccer last week issuing new concussion guidelines uh, that uh, apply to the development league and then recommendations for the league, from your experience both here in Europe over a decade, do you think players would be better off having an independent physician at games decide whether to come off or stay on with concussions rather than the team physicians? Um. That I'm not sure of. I, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, obviously that's how the NFL does it now, but, um, you know, I think that we have a lot of respect for our doctors. I think they do a fantastic job, and I think that, um, you know, when, if something were to happen to me um, on the weekend, you know, I have full confidence that if our doctor thought that I wasn't able to go, that he wouldn't put me in harm's way to go back on the field. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if that's the way to go, um, I can just tell you that I feel confident in our doctors and um, the training that they have and that they would look out for me as a player, um, first and foremost. Thank you. All right, thank you, Ron, and certainly Michael. Uh, we're going to move to Ben Curry in Columbus. Following Ben, we'll go to Leander Sharlockens with Yahoo Sports. So we'll open up the phone lines for Ben Curry. Ben? Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, you played New York three times this season, uh, but in none of those games was Will Trapp actually able to play. Do you think that that's a benefit, that maybe New York hasn't seen him and might not be as well prepared for him if they have, or, or a detriment on the flip side of that, that Will hasn't seen and gotten to play against New York yet this year? Um, I think you could look at it either way. Um, you know, what I would say, though, is that, you know, both philosophies uh, of the teams are pretty clear, and it's it's not necessarily about the personnel; it's about the philosophy. So, um, you know, we have a pretty good idea of, of how they're going to play, and they have a pretty good idea of how we're going to play. And then it becomes about execution, and um, you know that's going to be the difference in this series. They they're an excellent team, um, you know, the best team over the course of the season. So, you know, we have our work cut out for us.
All right, we're going to continue with our question and answer session here with the Columbus Crew SC folks. We're going to turn it over to Leander Sharlockins with Yahoo Sports. Following Leander, we'll have Alex Stick out in Columbus with uh, ColumbusCrew.com. So uh, we will turn it over to Leander. Leander, go ahead. Hi, Greg. A question for you. Um, all four coaches, all four head coaches in the conference finals are uh, are fairly young guys um, that are homegrown to, to a large extent within American soccer. Uh, what do you think that says about um, Major League Soccer, but also sort of about where American coaching is, is going? Well, I, I think that, you know, we we have to thank our um, predecessors and thank our mentors, you know, guys like Bruce Arena and, and Bob Bradley and Dave Sarakin and Bob Gansler, you know, guys that, that paved the way for us. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of these, these coaches in the league now have learned from them. And then thank MLS for, you know, being a league that wants to give its players opportunities. Um, you know, I know that the commissioner is very high on giving opportunities to players in, in the league, and, and that says a lot about the, you know the community of the league. And um, you know, MLS is a tight knit group, and um, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. So I think that um, o- overall, I think it's a it's a good statement that you see, you know, young coaches in this league, um, you know, learning from their their predecessors and then going on to be somewhat successful. Thank you. All right, our next question will go to Mr. Ridge Mahoney, actually, with Soccer America. Then we'll go to Alex Stick out in Columbus. So we'll turn it over to Ridge Mahoney. Go ahead, Ridge. Thanks, Dan. Michael, you played against Kai Kamara um, before he came to Columbus and before you went overseas. Obviously, his production this year has been considerable, and he's playing with some excellent players in Iguain and Finley. But is it is it a, a maturing process that Kamara has gone through, or is it just the fact that maybe he's a little bit more uh, – more confident now because he's playing on a different team. Um, you know, I, I can't pinpoint it exactly. I think that um, you know he, he's using definitely his experience that he's gained along the way. Um, you know, he's a, a handful to play against. Um, I'm very glad that I play with him, not against them, because uh, <laughs> you know I see him on a daily basis, and uh, he's the best athlete I've ever played with. Um, there's just nothing he can't do out on the field. And, um, you know, also I think, um, you know, the way that he fits into our system, um, it's a good match. You know, obviously we like to get the ball wide. We we put a lot of crosses in the box. Um, it's one of Kai's strengths. And um, so he's, he's definitely taken full advantage of it. Um, you know, just because he fits the system doesn't guarantee success. So he's he's taken this, uh, this year very well. And, um, Obviously, a huge part of our team. Thanks, Michael. Good luck. All right, we're going to wrap up with one final question for the gentleman from Columbus Crew SC. We're going to turn it over to Alex Stick in Columbus. Alex, go right ahead. Thank you, um, Michael. Greg talked about um, Crew SC's loss in New York, about um, how that match was a learning experience, and it prepared you guys for the end of the season and then the playoffs as well. Um, how has your team improved and developed even more since that match? Yeah, we've we've talked about that uh, the last I don't know five six games or so helped really prepare us for the playoffs because we played against uh, playoff teams. It was playoff type atmospheres. You know, every week the 
we were battling an, an Eastern Conference opponent pretty much, except for Portland. And um, every game felt like a playoff game as far as the intensity and um, the meanings of games because the Eastern Conference was so tight. Um, so it provided us with a good learning curve. I mean, um, you know, we, we've talked about this year about the process, about, you know, getting better every every week that, uh, you know, you want to learn throughout every game so that you can use those lessons come playoff time. And, um, you know, I think towards the end of the year we were able to clamp down a little bit more defensively. Um, so that, that was obviously uh, very good. I think that uh, we learned how to do a little bit better in the transition side of the game offensively and defensively. And um, we also learned how to, at the end of games, win ugly. You know, it's not always going to be pretty. You're going to have to hang on sometimes for a one-goal lead um, when guys are pumping balls into the box and um, you have to deal with it and finish out games. So it was a little bit of everything, but, um, you know, we're, we're a confident group, but, uh, you know, we know that uh, it's, it's going to be a huge challenge in front of us and, and hopefully we can lean on some of those lessons uh, for the next couple of weeks. All right, thank you, Alex, and thank you, Michael and Greg Berhalter. Gentlemen, we appreciate you joining us, and best of luck this weekend against the Red Bulls in the Audi MLS Cup playoffs. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. All right, to our journalists, we are continuing with today's media teleconference call. Next up, we will have from FC Dallas their head coach, Oscar Pereja, who's a Coach of the Year finalist, certainly a gentleman who played in the league. He started the club's youth academy, was also in Colorado for a while as their head coach, and has had a fantastic year winning the West uh, during the regular season with FC Dallas. Also joining us, uh, a homegrown player, one of a record 13 homegrown players that have come up through the, the FC Dallas system and signed with the first team midfielder, uh, Victor Uyuha, Uyuha, excuse me. Uh, he's a homegrown player who has 35 starts this year, 33 in the regular season, two in the playoffs, so a fantastic year for Victor. Um, a reminder to our journalists, if you would like to ask questions for Oscar and Victor, you can hit star one. You'll be put into the queue immediately for questions. Um, I would actually like to open it up and just confirm, do we have Oscar Pereja and Victor Uyoha on the call with us? Oscar? Yes, I'm here. All right. And Victor, are you with us also? I, I'm present. present All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining us. We'll actually get it kicked off. Uh, we'll throw it to the coach for a, a quick thought, uh, Oscar. Um, uh, incredible victory uh, in, in leg two of your series against Seattle. Certainly the team was riding an emotional high after that. You've had a little bit of break now um, heading into uh, the, the match uh, this weekend against the Portland Timbers. Give us your overall thoughts. How is the team doing and, and your outlook against Portland? Oscar? Yes, uh, we're, we're doing well. I thought you, you said, well, uh, last weekend was very emotional for the group. Uh, just getting that victory and against a great rival. And um, and we had time already just to flush that off and and uh, recover the the group and then just getting in the playoff mode. We still have a few days and we have an important match. I think we have been in that mode for for the last six or seven weeks and and there is no rare for the boys to be uh, preparing a match that is that important. All right. Thank you, Oscar. And just a reminder, this weekend, it'll be Sunday, November 22nd, Providence Park in Portland, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1, Fox Deportes, and TSN 2 have the match. We're going to open it up for a Q&A with our journalists. 
Our first three questions will go to Jeff Carlisle with ESPNFC.com, then we'll go to Franco Panizo with Soccer by Ivis, and then back to Leander Sharlockens with Yahoo Sports. So we'll open it up to Senor Carlisle. Jeff, go right ahead. Hey, uh, my question is for Oscar. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Portland's going to be without Valeria and Wallace. Um, you, to what extent does that change things for you guys in terms of your approach? Well, we have uh, always planned when we play against any team uh, just how to control the strength and uh, and players that are important. But uh, but the, for us and for the group, always has been uh, the most important. Just prepare ourselves, just to take care of what we can control. Not having Valerie or or Wallace in, in the game, obviously, is, uh, it may create uh, uh, certain difficulties for Portland. But uh, I think we need just to be concentrating what we can do. Uh, Portland has an excellent players that can fill those spots up. It has happened before. And uh, not concentrate too much on, on the players that are not going to instead just be prepared for the ones that will. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you, Jeff. We'll continue uh, in a second with Franco Finizo with Soccer by Ivis. And also, just a reminder to our journalists, if you would like ask, to ask questions to Victor Uyoha and Oscar Breha with FC Dallas, please hit star one and you'll be put in the queue. So that our next question will go to Franco with Soccer by Ivis. Franco? Thanks, Dan. Uh, quick question for both of you all. Uh, Oscar, you first. Uh, wanted to ask you about Jesse uh, Gonzalez. Obviously, you, you gave him the keys to the starting goalkeeping position back in August, and he's done very well and run with it ever since. Uh, what made you confident back then in August that a 20-year-old goalkeeper uh, with no previous playing experience at the you know top level was ready to start? And what has he shown to continue uh, to continue for you to continue to give him that confidence? And then just for Victor, you know, how have you seen Jesse grow uh, over these last few months since he started uh, getting starts for you guys? Right, Jesse. Jesse has shown during the year that he's growing and growing, and, and we can see that during the week. Uh, for me, it's very important that training and, and how they behave due to their youth. And, and what I analyze a lot is how they behave on the training. Now, in the games, we as a coach have to be prepared to uh, do things and also maybe uh, other ones that are not going to be uh, – that's good, and, and, and we have to be prepared also just to keep give them um, confidence. Uh, but the responsibility and the personality that he has shown, it just encourages us just to keep them in the, with the opportunity there. Victor? Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was just like to say that from my perspective, uh, the biggest thing that I've seen from him is his maturity. Uh, off the field, uh, in the locker room, and and just how how much he's he's grown in that part. I think it's helped him on the field, and then uh, on the field wise, uh, his communication has gotten so much better, and he just feels so confident in there that that's the most important thing for for a player. I think uh, just to have the confidence from your coach. I think that's that's helped him a lot. Thanks, guys. Good luck. All right, thank you, uh, Franco. We'll turn it over now to Leander Sharlockins with Yahoo Sports. Leander. Hi, Oscar. A uh, question for you. Um, all four of the managers in the conference finals um, started their careers as pro managers in MLS. 
uh, two of four, in fact, are on their first jobs. Um, has MLS become a particularly good place for a manager to start uh, to start his career, uh, especially if he was already in MLS? Right. Uh, the Major League Soccer is a, it's a different league. You know, it's, a, it's very unique. Um, starting with the calendar, uh, we all have still, um, you know, the, the, the things that comes with the salary cap and and many other stuff that make our league very unique and, and, and good. And now, just being part of the main league soccer, it helps us as managers and understanding the culture, understanding the culture of, 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 of the players, the adversity that exists here in, in America. And I'm very happy just to see uh, the managers just grow with the league. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity for us. I think I believe that the uh, ownerships and uh, the commission they had and, and and the people involved in soccer in America was just given the opportunity to uh, people who has been involved as a players. I think it's a good step for us and just let it let us grow into. Thank you. Thank you, Leander. Just a reminder to our journalists: if you'd like to ask questions for our uh, gentleman from FC Dallas, please hit star one, and you'll be put in the queue. And before we get to our next question, I'd actually like to ask. Uh, Victor, um, since we have uh, a head coach who is the architect of the youth program at FC Dallas, and Victor, you're a guy looking at your stats. In your first three seasons, nine total minutes with FC Dallas. Oscar Pereja becomes the head coach, and during the regular season, 26 starts in 2014, 33 starts in 2015. Can you talk a little bit about the club's commitment to uh, youth development, because it really has been a model, and also you know, the, the the way that Oscar views it, at least from, from your lens or your viewpoint. Victor? Yeah, I mean, uh, Oscar believes in, in young guys, and the most important thing is he makes you believe in yourself, uh, and he gives you that opportunity, which which is what, what we look for. Uh, like you said, I had a tough three years coming in, and after he came in, he told me, hey, I want you to win your spot, and that's exactly what I did. And, I mean, I'm just very thankful to him, and, you see that FC Dallas believes in their in the youth in their academy, and he's just been that that figure, father model for us. We want to fight for him, and we we you see that on the field. We run for each other and would do anything because of the opportunity that he's given us. Thank you, Victor, and also to our journalist. Uh, we are going to wrap up FC Dallas here in a second. If we don't have any additional journalists going into the queue for questions, but I like to ask Oscar Preha. Uh, similar question. Clearly, as a head coach, you're always looking to put the best players who are going to gel the best uh, on the field. But FC Dallas, um, your philosophy behind youth development, really, we, we, we look at it as the leader in Major League Soccer. Can you talk a little bit about that um, for the group, just your philosophy behind the youth development and, 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 and I guess why it's been such an integral part of, of FC Dallas? Well, I, I believe a lot in my belonging and, and, and how players committed to an idea. Um, as you see, I see a lot at the moment some young guys that have been in the club for seven or eight years already. And, and that says a lot because that's the team that they play, they want to play for. Uh, their families are here. They grew up, they grew up in the zone. They know the area. They 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 know that those the the team is the team that they want to to play or they dream to play, and and that for me is important. I think it is a great 
scenario for me to build confidence uh, and to put all the ideas that we want. And also, because many of those guys, I have the fortune to coach them when they were very young. And at this point, we are uh, being rewarded. Uh, I think just create a connection between the first team and and all the other categories in the, in the academy is, is great. We are very proud of the model we have. I know there is uh, uh, a lot of players that are waiting for that opportunity. We do believe in the talent in America. We think that we have enough players here to develop and make them uh, not just play for the team, but uh, someday make them play internationally and defend the national team jersey. So with that philosophy, we will continue. It's, it's going to be a long journey. It's not easy, but uh, but I'm proud just to see results this year. And, and this is credit for all those guys that, as I said at the beginning, they, they have belonging. They, this is the team that they want to play for, and that's important. Excellent. Thank you, Oscar. We're going to wrap it up with one final question for our gentleman from FC Dallas. We'll go back to Franco with uh, Soccer by Ivis. Go ahead, Franco. Thank you. Uh, Oscar, I'll ask you another one on, on Jesse. Uh, obviously, uh, in the last series, you guys have to go to penalty kick shootout uh, against Seattle. Uh, and uh, not many people were counting on a 20-year-old goalkeeper to, to produce against, you know, Obafemi, Martins, and Clint Dempsey. Uh, how confident were you with, uh, going into the penalty kick that, that Jesse would get the job done? Well, I, I have to say that Jesse... Uh, and this is, this is it's good. It's just a way for us to grow that confidence. Just we stay uh, mostly of the time, 10, 15 minutes, because the boys pull him out and, and, and they want to take PKs against him. And then, and then he has now uh, the willingness to stay, stick around and, and do it. So when the, the, the time came, uh, we, we all remember those times, you know, those trainings and and we are very confident on Jesse with how many PKs he stopped during trainings and that many years. He will count at that moment. And and he did not let us down. He did a great job. He has the frequency and the repetition in the training, uh, has the personality. And as Victor said earlier, I think his maturity has been has been great this year, has, has, has been there. And for us, it's fantastic to see him grow in that department also. Gracias. Excellent. Thank you, Franco. And I'd like to thank Oscar Bereja and Victor Ulloha for joining us on today's media teleconference from FC Dallas. Gentlemen, best of luck this weekend in Portland. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Speaking of the Portland Timbers, joining us momentarily will be the head coach of the Portland Timbers, Mr. Caleb Porter. And uh, in a few minutes after, Caleb will have their captain and center back, Liam Ridgewell. Um, can I confirm that we have Caleb Porter on the call with us? Caleb? Yes, I'm on. Excellent, Caleb. And I know Liam's uh, going to be joining us momentarily. So, Caleb, we're going to get it started. Actually, just a reminder to our journalists, hit star one. You will be put into the queue to ask questions for Caleb Porter and Liam Ridgewell with the Portland Timbers. So, Caleb, uh, we'll get it kicked off with you. Just a quick question. Uh, certainly, we've we've had a break with the FIFA fixture dates here. Uh, since uh, since your victory in, in advancing in the last series, you've got a home match this weekend. Just your overall thoughts heading into this weekend playing a, a, a team like FC Dallas. Caleb? We've had a very good week uh, in preparation. Obviously, it's not ideal to, to have a break, but uh, we've embraced it, and we've used it to our advantage. Uh, we've, last week, we... 
sharpened some things up, focused mostly on us, and uh, made sure we were recovered. We had played a lot of games in a very tight window, so I think that uh, was a good thing. And then this week we focused more on, on Dallas and our preparation for the first leg. Uh, we look forward to a great series with Dallas. We've played two very good opponents in the first two rounds, uh, Sporting Kansas City and Vancouver. And uh, we know it'll be a, a very difficult um, two legs versus one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Thank you, Caleb. We're going to kick off our call with our journalist. Our first question will go to Rich Mahoney with Soccer America. Go ahead, Rich. Thanks, Dan. You know, Caleb, um, since you came to MLS with Portland, you've tried quite a few center-back combinations. Um, obviously, this combination of Bridgewell and Porter seems to be working especially well. Uh, did you forecast that it would be such a smooth partnership? Or is it just the fact that you have two guys with such great experience that uh, you kind of let them figure things out? Well, that was a part of the uh, the reason that we brought in Ridgewell last year uh, in the summer transfer. Uh, we felt we needed a, a top-level central defender uh, that, that had experience playing against top-level attackers. You know, you've seen the movement of attacking players coming into this league, and a lot of them are world-class. And our thought was, if we want to manage some of those attacking players, we need someone that has experience at a very high level. And that's why we signed Ridgewell. And, um, you know, since he's come, uh, we, you know, in the summer last year, uh, we've, we've been very good defensively. Um, in the offseason, uh, we wanted to look for someone in league to partner with him. While Ridgewell has experience playing at top level in the Premier League for many years, we felt it was important to have someone next to him that has uh, experience in MLS, who's been in the, the trenches, who knows the attacking players in the league inside and out, who knows some of the you know the dynamics and challenges um, you know that 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 you have to deal with on a on a week to week basis as far as travel and climates and altitudes. Someone who, you know, has been through that, and, and so that was kind of the thought process behind pairing those two guys together. Um, you know, I believe in having uh, experienced guys in the back of my team. I think it's very important. Uh, you know, in, in that area of your team, you want you want guys that have, um, you know, that have been in professional games and have played 90 minutes and have had to be focused and you know, are wired in a way where they never take a play off. You know, certainly you want guys that are leaders in those positions. So it's worked out uh, like we had hoped it would this year with those two guys pairing together. And, um, you know, I think the, the balance of, of having a guy like Ridgewell, who's, who's very clean on the ball, left-sided, good at starting attacks. He's a really vocal leader. He's He's more of a, I would call him more of a, um, positional central defender in how he, uh, you know, reads the game. Uh, and then, you know, you look at Nat, and he's a guy that wants to to win balls. You know, he likes to get in com- confrontations with, with attackers and battle and bang. And, and um, you know, we knew with Nat that, that he'd be a guy that, uh, you know, would want to get clean sheets and would take pride in that. 
Um, so we're we're pleased with those two guys, but we know they'll have their work cut out for them uh, versus Dallas. All right, thank you, Caleb. We're going to continue with our questions from our journalists. Once again, journalist Star One, you'll be put into the queue. We do have our next question is actually uh, it's not showing up right now in the queue. So if we could just open up the phone lines for the next journalist, and I'd ask that that journalist uh, state their name and affiliation for the group. Then following that, we'll have uh, Jeff Carlisle with ESPNFC.com and Ron Blum with the Associated Press. So we'll turn it over. Uh, to our next journalist, and once again, uh, it's not showing up in our queue right now, so if you could just state your name and your affiliation. Sylvia, if you could open up the phone line. Thank you. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you. No, it's it's Leander Sherlock and Yahoo Sports. I had to jump on another phone. Um, oh, okay. Good, good to have you back on, Leander. Far away. Caleb, um, all the managers in the conference final are young and on their first or second job. Um, what do you think it is that makes uh, first or second job in pro soccer, I should say? What do you think it is that makes uh, Major League Soccer such a welcoming league for for younger managers? That's a great question, uh, Leander. Um, I think it. You know, you look at the coaches in the league, and there's different types of managers. So I think it depends on the the team. It depends on the, the coach. Uh, you have guys like Siggy Schmid and Bruce Arena who started in college, myself, obviously I went that path as well. Um, you have guys uh, like Oscar, um, you know, uh, you know, other Ben Olsons of the world who, um, you know, Jason Christ was one of those um, guys who have pretty much come right out of playing um, and, and into the league. And, and then you have guys, you know, like an Adrian Heath and Owen Coyle, um, Naviera, guys that have come in from overseas. Um, so you have different types of guys that have come into the league. Um, I don't know that it's forgiving. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are times where I think it's one of the toughest leagues to, to be a manager in in the world because ultimately it's a league of parity. And it's a league where you have, for the most part, pretty equal budgets outside of the DPs. Um, and because of that, on any given day, anybody can beat anyone. You're not going into the, league, into the season saying these top four, or maybe top five or six, are pretty much going to shake out there, and everybody else is kind of, you know, going to try to, you know, stay up like what happens in the Premier League or some of the other leagues. You know, you pretty much know based on budget. In, in past, uh, historically speaking, past reputation, you pretty much know how the league, for the most part, is going to shake out. Um, in this league, you you can't say that, um, you know, from one year to the next. And because of the mechanisms of the teams that don't do as well the year prior get a little more help the next year, there's always this natural um, tendency that the teams on the bottom come up and the teams that are up on the top have to fight to try to, um, you know, uh, continue to stay up. And it's, it's, it's obviously a challenge every single year. So my point is, is that because of that, I think it, it, it is a very difficult league to manage in. And you've seen with some of the foreign coaches that have come in, because it's unique, the way it's set up, 
and their unique challenges. Like I mentioned, um, you know, speaking of Ridgewell and Borchers, there's unique challenges you have to manage. Travel, nowhere in the world do you travel as much. Nowhere in the world can you go one week and play in heat. One week, now you're in altitude. One week, now you're in a little bit colder climate. Sometimes you're on turf. Sometimes you're, you're on grass. Um, you know, those are all things that make it difficult. You know, I think with the young coaches, some of the young coaches that you've seen recently, recently that have come in and done well, they're guys that know the league. And, you know, they know, um, you know, how it's set up. And they're not surprised with the travel and surprised with all, you know, the, the challenges that go into it. And um, they get it. And, you know, they're not frustrated by it. Um, like some foreign coaches, when they come in, I think that happens. Um, so I think that's that's why you've seen, um, you know, guys like Jason Christ and guys like Ben Olsen do very well. Um, Mike Pecky, um, you know, because they were players, they've been through it as a player, and now it's easy for them to jump into it. Um, you know, so I, I'm honored to be a part of the league. Um, this is my third year now, and uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, hope to be in the league a long time. Awesome. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. All right. Thank you, uh, Leander. We're going to turn it over to Jeff Carlisle with uh, ESPNFC.com. Jeff? Hey, thanks. Um, Caleb, you know, given the importance of away goals, and you can combine that with, with Dallas's ability on the on the break, I mean, how – how tricky is it going to be to manage, you know, that first leg? Caleb, are Hello? you still there with us? All right, maybe Caleb Porter dropped off momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just didn't like your question, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we are checking right now to see if we can get uh, make sure that Caleb Porter is back on the line um, out in Portland. So hang tight with us uh, momentarily. And apologies to uh, all on the call for the delay. We're also... Uh, we're also looking to see if Liam Ridgewell was going to be able to join us. We knew that he was running a little bit late, and uh, we'll keep the group uh, updated. So we were scheduled to go until 3 o'clock Eastern time, but we can extend a few minutes, certainly with this delay. So uh, hang on. Momentarily, we should uh, have an update. We are checking with the Timbers right now and should have an update momentarily on our uh, two gentlemen. If uh, if I could alert our conference call operator, Sylvia, it does sound like our uh, our colleagues out in Portland, Caleb Porter and Liam Ridgewell, are trying to dial into the call now and maybe facing some technical so we will keep the group posted.
In the meantime, I'm sure many of you have been following on Twitter a little bit of lighthearted MLS content that David Beckham was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing, we'll get an update uh, regarding Caleb Porter and uh, Liam Ridgewell momentarily. We are on the, with the conference call operator right now. We do expect them back in a minute or two, or hopefully sooner. Do we have Caleb Porter back on the line by chance? All right, we are anticipating any moment now, Caleb and potentially Liam Ridgewell also joining us. So, once again, we appreciate uh, the patience of our journalists out there. Can you hear us? We can hear you now. Is that Caleb and Liam? We've got both Caleb and Liam here, and so apologies for we got cut off there. No problem, gentlemen. We we just thought yeah. uh, Caleb didn't like Jeff Carlisle's question, but uh, we'll we'll get back to Jeff Carlisle and uh, revisit Jeff's questions, and we'll continue. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Uh, yeah, Caleb. Um, you know, obviously, given the importance of away goals. You combine that with Dallas's ability to, to break quickly. I mean, how how tricky is it going to be to manage that first leg? I think that's a you know an interesting question. You know, with the away goal tiebreaker, I think the whole theory behind that was to encourage the road team to attack more. Um, but I think what's happened a little bit is it's actually made the home team more conservative, uh, not to to want to give up a a home, a home goal or a road goal to the away team. Um, with Dallas, we have to be very uh, patient going for the win. Number one priority is to win the game, um, but number two is to keep keep a clean sheet. Uh, we're not we're not going to play for a draw. We're going to play to win. But if we can win and get a clean sheet, that puts us in a really good spot going into the second leg. Okay, and actually, this is a follow-up. You know, how much, you know, how much more difficult is it given that you know Valerian and I believe Wallace you know, are, are not going to be available? We've dealt with uh, these type of things all year. You know, Valeri was out if you remember the entire first half of of the year of the season. Um, so we dealt with not having him, uh, you know, for half the year already. Um, and with Rodney, if you remember the year prior, he had an ACL as well, so we dealt with him being out half the year, the year prior. And since Valeri's been back, you know, he's missed games. He's had, you know, suspension. Uh, during the regular season, he had a couple little knocks when he came back from, from the injury initially. And same with Rodney. He missed the game for suspension, and we rotated him out a few games as well. So... It's nothing that we haven't dealt with. Uh, we've, we've played uh, with different guys all year, and, uh, you know, we have a very deep team. 
Um, we've had to rotate players uh, for various reasons. We've made the decision to rotate players some games. Um, some games it was forced, but obviously Valeri and Ronnie are, are very good players. They're key guys in what we've we've done this year. Um, but we've got other players that that will step in and and do a job. Next. All right, thanks, Jeff. We'll continue uh, our questions. The next three questions will go to uh, Ron Blum with the AP, followed by Michael Ander with Soccer Long Island, and then Franco Pizio with Soccer by Ivis. We'll turn it over to Ron Blum with the AP. Ron? Hi, Caleb. As you look at it from your standpoint now and in the past as a player and as college coach, how is the rise of the academy system changing player development and do you think it'll reach the point where all the top uh, young players will bypass college and possibly high school soccer to go full-time in the academy system? I've gotten that question a lot, obviously, since I since I was a coach that was in, in college um, for 14 years as an assistant and a head coach, seven years as a head coach. I also coached with the youth USU's national teams, the 18s and obviously 23s, you know, and I've coached, while I was in college, I coached, um, you know, club soccer, um, and now I'm in the pros, so I, you know, I have a unique perspective on all those things. Um, I don't think college soccer will completely be phased out. I think there will always be a place uh, for college soccer in our country's infrastructure, Um but I do think, and you've already seen it, there'll be less and less um, kids, the top kids, uh, going into college. Um, you know, the top players will now go directly into, um, you know, first teams or uh, the second team reserve teams. Um, that that's that's just normal around the world, and that's what will happen. Um, because obviously, if you can play more games, get more training contact, if you can be closer to a professional environment, if you can be in a professional environment, the younger, the better. Um, but there'll also be kids that are late bloomers. There'll be kids that want to go the college route. There'll be kids that aren't quite ready uh, for whatever reason, or make the decision to go to college. And and you know, for those kids, and it's been proven. Uh, over time, those kids still have a very good chance of stepping into a first team after one, two, three, sometimes four years and making an impact. Um, so, you know, I think academies, and you're already seeing it, Dallas is, is the model. Dallas is a great example. Um, you know, and, and what Oscar did with that academy and then obviously coming back in, you know, you can see he planted those seeds uh, long ago, and now he's he's reaping the rewards of that. Uh, it, at Portland, we want to have a similar setup, but we've only been in Major League Soccer for five years. Uh, we do have a different player pool in Oregon. Uh, we have to, you know, come up with unique ways of of helping to counter our player pool, counter the fact that we haven't had an academy for very long. Um, but we have. We have spent a lot of time and energy and, and money in developing our club infrastructure with our academy, our, our T2 team, 
and we've kept our U23 team as well. So we feel like we have uh, a good model in place, um, but we just need, I've always felt this, you know, in terms of player development, it's it's uh, time and environment. We just need time. We need time now. Um, and, you know, Dallas has been around a lot longer with their academy, and, and you see what's happening with our club. It's just going to take take time. And do you think that leads to getting more polished players at a younger age at the the full senior team level? I mean, I think it depends, again, on the situation. But, you know, it's not rocket science. The more time you get training and the more games you get and the better environment you're in from a younger age, the steeper and more rapid the learning curve and development that can take place. Um, so I, I had over 20 kids that that left my program at Akron in seven years and went and, and have gone into Major League Soccer. And most, most of them have stuck. Most of them have done well. You know, so it's, I you know, I've proven in other programs like the Maryland's of the world, uh, UCLA's of the world, Virginia's, you know, so on and so forth. They've proven that they can develop players. Um, but I often look back and say, you know, if Darlington Nagy was in a pro environment at 17 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old, versus going in a pro environment at 22 years old, uh, as good as he is, could he have been better? And that's the way I kind of look at it. Not that I don't look at it from the standpoint always of, uh, that, you know, this player made it and he went to college four years. I look at could he have been better? And I think, like I said, it has nothing to do with college, nothing to do with, you know, the environment, so on and so forth. It has to do with time and age. The sooner you can get in an environment, the more time you can get training games. It's, like I said, not rocket science. You're going to develop at a faster rate. Thank you. All right, thank you, Ron. Once again, to our journalists, we have Caleb Porter, the head coach of the Portland Timbers. We also have their captain and defender, Liam Ridgewell, joining us. We're going to wrap it up with three uh, different journalists uh, and questions as we conclude our call. Once again, it's Michael Ander with Soccer Long Island, Franco Panizza with Soccer by Ibis, and our final question will go to Ridge Mahoney with Soccer America. So we'll turn it over to Michael Ander with Soccer Long Island. Michael. Caleb, thanks for uh, joining us on the call today. Uh, you know, you just mentioned Darlington Nagby, so that was where I was going to go with my question. You know, just talk to me about, you know, obviously it's not the best time for him to get his first call up, but it's important for him as the player. You know, talk to me about the communication you had with him while he was away from the team and then, you know, what you think his uh, fitness is going to be when he gets back. I'm sorry, I could not hear the first part of your question. Um, yeah, I'm I not just, sure if it's this phone here or what, but I couldn't hear it. I'm, I apologize. It could be my New York accent, too. Uh, I was just actually asking about uh, Darlington Nagby and about how much he, uh, you know, what do you think of, his, you know, when he's going to be back with the club and then his fitness level going into uh, the first round of the game? Um, what do I think of Darlington Nagby getting the call up? Very um, happy for him. I think it was a long time coming. Uh, I, I always felt, and a lot of people always felt that, you know, he had the talent um, to play at that level, the international level. Um, 
obviously he didn't have his citizenship, so he couldn't get that opportunity. Uh, but when the wheels started in motion, I believe it was three years ago, to get his citizenship, I think it was, uh, you know, one of those things where you knew it would happen eventually. Um, but it's great that it finally happened. I'm real, real uh, excited for him that he was able to go into his first camp and get his first first two caps, which shows that he, he went in and he did well because obviously there have been a lot of players that have gotten the opportunity to go into national team camps that have never cut their teeth. And, 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 and that's the key is to go in and actually stick. And based on, you know, his first two two appearances, he, he's, he's done well in making that next step. The next step for him is to now become a key fixture and become a, a player that's relied upon as a starting player, game in and game out and qualification and, and cup, cup competition. Um, but he's made a great first step and couldn't be more pleased and, and proud uh, of that. As far as his fitness, I think it worked out perfect. He didn't get injured. He didn't play enough to uh, to be fatigued, um, but he played enough to stay stay fit. So I think it worked out perfect. He got 60 minutes, which will mean he, he kept ticking over. Um, but with the travel uh, and everything, you know, playing only 60 minutes is going to mean he's going to come back uh, uh, fresh and certainly uh, ready to go. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, Michael. Before we go to Franco, I'd actually, uh, since we didn't get a chance to have opening comments from Liam Ridgewell, Liam, uh, if we could ask you, this is your first experience, at least in playoffs, have a guy having played in Europe throughout your career and then joining the Timbers last year. Why don't you just give us your overall thoughts on competing in the playoffs and, and, and how that might be a little bit uh, different and, and what that means to you. Liam. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, um, you know, the playoffs have been a big thing. Obviously, when I first come here, um, I didn't know too much about the playoffs. Um, obviously, I knew the league situation, but I always heard that the playoffs were a big deal, um, you know, looking at basketball and American football as well. So, you know, missing out last year by a point, you know, was a big blow, um, you know, to myself and everybody. Um, and certainly this year, I think we certainly kicked off the season knowing that and having felt that pain, uh, taking that into the season. So I think we've done, you know, terrifically well to, to make the playoffs and now even to show how good we really are, you know, to to make the, you know, outside the, the final. So, uh, no, it's been a great experience and certainly the season's been fantastic and, uh, you know, we've all been looking forward to playoffs. And you certainly feel the buzz around the city um, a little bit differently. You know, it's always a big buzz around the league games, but certainly the playoffs, an extra added special um, on it, and um, you know, it's a pleasure to be involved in it. And, you know, it's uh, it's been a good run, so hopefully we can continue that, and you know, and, and get all the way to the final and, and show how good we are. So it's a really, it's a really good feel, you know, feel good factor around the place, and um, you know, we're all looking forward to the game on Sunday and then the following one. All right, thank you, Liam. We'll continue with our questions from our journalists. We have Franco from Soccer by Ivis. Go ahead, Franco. Hey guys, how are you doing? Uh, just wanted to ask you both, both of you. Uh, I'm not going to let Liam get off the hook that easily, but uh, just wanted to ask both of you. Uh, we all know about Fazian Castillo and, and the skills he possesses, but Dallas has shown not just in this last series, but over the season, that they have uh, quite a few weapons uh, in the midfield in the attack. 
what's the key to slowing them down uh, over the course of, of this this game, this upcoming game, and the series in, in general? Are you talking about their attacking play? There? Yes. Yeah, obviously. Oh, I mean, you know, we we played them a lot over the last two years. Um, you know, they're a very good side. You know, uh, very good defensively and very good in the counter attack. They've got a lot of quick players in their team. You know, but I think we've shown certainly this year and certainly the games we played against them that you know we can certainly deal um, with that counter attack and play. And you know, to be honest, you know, people have asked us questions: How are we going to look on, on stopping them? You know, what we'll be doing to what we'll be doing is imposing ourselves on the game. And making sure they need to worry about us. You know, obviously they're a very good team and they've they've done well to get here like we have, but you know, we'll be looking to oppose our, ourselves on the team and trying to nullify their, you know, attacking players and um, and try and make a stamp on, on the game that we can. So that's it we're we're very excited for the game, looking forward to it and you know, concentrating ourselves is a is a very big thing. Caleb, do you have any yeah, I think what's interesting is um, Vancouver is a different team than Dallas, but they, they have some similarities. So we feel like in a lot of ways the some of the preparation, not all of the some of the preparation going into the Vancouver games uh, has helped prepare us for Dallas. You know, Vancouver's obviously a team that has Kikuda, Mana, Kachera, key guys on the flanks that have pace, that can penetrate, um, and, and, you know, very, like Liam said, dangerous in transition. Um, you know, obviously Morales, we knew in that second leg, was going to be in the game. And, you know, it seems like every team has a creative player in that second forward or number 10 role, almost every team in the league. And uh, we've managed, although I think Diaz is in top form, playing better than I've ever seen him play, and certainly has to be, up there with with some of the best uh, number ten type creative playmakers, but we've we've dealt with guys like that before, and we've dealt with guys with pace on the wings. Um, you know, so we have a lot of respect for Dallas, and they over thirty four games uh, proved they were worthy of being the top team in a very competitive Western Conference. Uh, that didn't happen by accident. You know, they're a very good team. But we also feel like in playing in the Western Conference uh, that we've dealt with good players every single week. And um, this is no different. Um, But at the same time, we have to be especially, like I said, careful um, to not get caught up in the emotion of a home game uh, conference final uh, first leg, wanting to win, we have to be very careful not to get reckless. We have to stay patient and organized. Um, but like Liam said, we want to do that in a way that's aggressive where we're deciding the game, where we're hopefully on the ball, we're, we're forcing Dallas to defend, uh, we're taking away their transition game. And a lot of those things are very similar to how we approached Vancouver. Uh, we were We were smart. And organized, and yet we were aggressive in looking to score and attack um, and manage the transition phase. Thank you, guys. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, Franco. We're going to wrap it up with Mr. Ridge Mahoney from Soccer America. Go ahead, Ridge. Thanks, Dan. 
Uh, Liam, you know, you came into the league last year towards the end, midway through the season, so you didn't get to see a lot of the teams and a lot of the players. This year you had a preseason preparation, obviously, but how how easier has it been, or how, I won't say easy, but, uh, you know, what was the difference having Nat Borchers there alongside you from the start of the season because he's played so much in this league and probably knows everybody pretty well? Yeah, obviously, you know, um, when I first obviously saw Nat coming in, um, we had a brief conversation over the phone before I come over it. Um, you know, he's a very talented defender and he's been around the league for a long time. So I think, you know, bringing him in and him teaching me, you know, a lot this season was was, uh, was very good. I think uh, he's been around for so long, you know, the players inside out. He can give me little insights into players. Um, you know, and I can do that for him as well, you know, for the, the Premier League players. So I think this season certainly it's com- complementing each other very well. And um, you know we've, we've knitted a, a good partnership back there, which is, which has been fantastic. So you know it's um, all season. It's been a, a great pleasure to play alongside him, and you know hopefully we can carry on what we're doing and uh, and keep keeping these clean sheets. You know I think every every week we go out and try and keep another clean sheet. And um, you know not knowing the league as well as he does has definitely helped us this year. So uh, you know it's been a perfect touch wood. A perfect, uh, perfect partnership so far, and hopefully we can we can keep that going. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Ridge. I'd also like to thank Liam Ridgewell and Caleb Porter of the Portland Timbers. Gentlemen, best of luck this weekend against FC Dallas. Thank you. And to our journalists, we look forward to seeing you this weekend and also November 29th and then de- de- December 6th for the Audi MLS Cup playoffs, and then certainly December 6th, culminating with MLS Cup in our 20th season. Thanks again for joining us on today's call.